But I had a lot of people who I didn't even realize like paid attention, who were coming up to me and be like, "You did a great job writing that. It was it was so so good that that felt I, like it was a really great feeling to have that I I don't think it's really been matched by much else." Welcome to another episode of the Quaker Matters Podcast. On today's episode, we are joined by Jack Hebert, Wilmington Friends School, class of 2023, to discuss his original play that he wrote and performed in called Original Sin. Jack, how are you? Uh, I'm good. How are you? I am doing well and certainly excited today to learn a little bit more about you, the script writing process, and kind of all that went into your project. So my first question for you is, when did you first become interested in script writing? Script writing in general, probably a while ago in terms of just like, I've always really enjoyed writing, uh, like creative writing. It's always been a thing I've really liked doing. I'm also really big into, into film and stuff like that. So I've always really enjoyed storytelling in general. Uh, so I've always wanted to do stuff like that. Uh, in terms of the script itself... Uh, I think it was just before my preseason of junior year, I had the idea. And I, the reason I decided to eventually write is because I was thinking of it for a little while and the idea kind of stuck with me. So I was like, I mean, might as well try and make something out of it. I only have two years left, so let's see how it goes. That's really interesting. That So it was sort of like an 18-month process from like when you had the initial thought to actually... like From concept to finished product, uh, yeah, roughly about 18 months, yeah. And, and how did you learn more about script writing? Because you ultimately develop a 64-page script. So how does this go from an idea, concept, junior year, preseason, to developing a script that we ultimately watch this winter? A lot of Googling. I, I looked at like how a script should be formatted. I looked at screenplays to get like references and examples of how like dialogue should look and how stage directions should look. Although in my script it was fairly vague on stage directions for the most part since I kept mixing up stage left and stage right. But um, I also checked with uh, Todd Tyler because he was the faculty advisor for the student-run production. And so he knew a decent amount about how a script should look to make sure it was formatted properly. And it seemed that I got it fine because it's actually once you have an understanding of how everything should look, and how to, because I used uh, italics, to which are supposed to indicate stage actions versus dialogue. Once you understand that aspect of it and how to differentiate between the two and format things, it's not extremely difficult to, like, format. It's just the only thing I kept slipping up sometimes is how it, so if you, when you start a new page at the top left, you have what act, what act it's in, what scene it is. And then under that, you have the setting. I would sometimes forget either what scene number it was or what or to put like the setting there sometimes or to like have a just because you what you want to do is what I did uh, before any dialogue started on in between the scene number and description and the dialogue there would always be a description of how the stage should look at the onset of the scene sometimes I would have to go back and change that if it were too vague or, or stuff like that but formatting and understanding because I wasn't going super in because it's a lot easier to write like a script for a, like a 
a stage production than it is for like a film or TV show, which is what I would reference sometimes. So I didn't have to worry about camera like cuts or anything like that or fades or fades to black or like transitions like that. So I didn't really, so it, it made it a lot more simple to write than uh, the references I was using, which was nice. How many drafts did you have to go through and who was reviewing it before it became a final product? So it was really, I think, like, the na- the draft number in general, it will, like, uh, probably differ from person to person. How I wrote, because there's, like, the parts of writing, there's, like, the idea, there's fleshing it out, then there's actually writing it. The writing obviously takes a lot of time, but what I would do before I put pen to paper, I would, because, like, when I was working out and stuff, when I had nothing else going on in my mind, I would try and think through the elements I wanted to have and how it would all fit together. So I had a lot of, like, the overall, like, nothing super specific, but overall, like, what was going to be, like, the plot, what was going to be, like, the characters. I had that at least on, like, some level already before going in, which I think really made it a lot easier to go through. I remember I got through maybe five scenes initially, and then I was like, that's not great, I can do better. I went back and I redrafted that. And that was when I got the whole thing out initially. I sent it to, to Jace and to Mr. Tyler and to a, a few friends and then took their comments in and went back and tweaked some stuff. So I guess three drafts. As you are incorporating the feedback that you're receiving from various folks and, and working on draft after draft, I guess I want to know, with each character that you are creating, are you basing that character off of a specific person, specific people that you have watched in various TV shows and movies? What is that process like? I guess while I was writing, I didn't have any people here in mind for specific roles. I, I always I knew I wanted to act in it because I enjoyed acting last year, and I didn't want to direct this year because I just wanted to to act a bit. Um, when I, but what I, when I was writing characters, I had specific characters from like film in mind that I modeled the people after, uh, one of, I modeled Ellen, I, I modeled Ellen after, uh, Jack Nicholson's character, Jack Torrance from The Shining. I modeled Nancy after Skylar White and that dynamic, a lot of that dynamic, cause I'm a giant Breaking Bad fan. A lot of the dynamic between, at least for like the fighting aspects of it, between Ellen and Nancy came from the like the argument style and how they were brought up between Walter and Skyler and Breaking Bad. And then I think one of the biggest influence, or the two biggest influences, is I was watching uh, Marvel's Daredevil at the time, which is a fantastic show. And Father Karras was modeled heavily after Father Lantum in that, in Daredevil. And then William Thawne was modeled after Wilson Fisk, even down to how I decided to eventually speak with the, the more deliberate pauses and stuff like that, that was, it was taken to more of an extreme, but the, the manner of speaking came from Wilson Fisk, because I think, because it was, I thought it was a fantastic character and I really enjoyed watching him. So I was like, a, a lot of that carried over into that character specifically. I remember the most about him because I obviously had to play him and remember how I wrote him, but a lot of his dialogue fit that mannerism of speaking because of how much I modeled a lot of what he said and did after that character. Having done both script writing and directing, what process is more enjoyable for you? It's good because they're very different. Um, I think I'm rather fortunate because I listen to a lot of different, especially when I was writing, but I still do, a lot of writer-directors in Hollywood talk about their writing process. 
and a pretty decent amount of them really don't like parts of the writing phase. Like, they enjoy writing it, but they don't enjoy, like, the planning out and stuff like that. Not all of them, some of them. I think I was fortunate enough to enjoy doing that uh, because I really didn't mind it. I like thinking about it making, because I, I wanted to make sure everything logically flowed. for Because the story was, like, about, like, a, like a character arc, like, degrading. So everything needed to make sense or else it, it would just kind of be happening and I didn't want the show to be like that. Um, so I think I was fortunate enough to enjoy that aspect of it, which is a, widely regarded as the most boring part. The the writing, I've always really enjoyed writing and like sitting down and just going at it. So the writing, that was a lot of fun to do. I, I would also like watch things for reference before. Like I remember, this is one in like the, the fun fact sheet. When I got to the, the Adam and Eve's uh, monologue, I was like, okay, so how should this sound? How should a villain talk? I don't know if you've ever watched Inglorious Bastards. But um, I went to the opening scene of that uh, with Hans Landis, like, 15-minute, uh, like, interaction. I watched through all 15 minutes three separate times. I went back and rewatched, and then I was like, okay, now I'm going to go write. So I, I, I would break up the writing process when I wasn't sure what I wanted. I didn't linger a huge amount, which I think was, I, I got lucky. I didn't even do it on purpose. I think I just got lucky with it. I said to myself, I'm going to go take a look at things that... I know I want to be like, because Tarantino is my personal favorite. Um, I wanted to mimic him as closely in terms of like his dialogue and his tension and stuff like that, because I think he's amazing at it. So I would break up, the, when I was getting frustrated with writing or like had a writer's block, I would break it up by doing some, by watching stuff I enjoyed. So I was still in the writing mindset, but I wasn't like frustrating myself, which uh, made the writing process really enjoyable. And when we go over to like the directing, the acting, aspect of like the, the practice stuff everyone on the cast was great we all had a lot of fun at practice uh jason and maddie were fantastic as well so they are very they're, they're two very different styles of enjoyment but especially when we got to tech week and we got a bit like tech week was a little stressful just because of how late we were at school but when it, when we were going at uh, out and like going through the like the script and like full costume with props and stuff there was that is i think my favorite part about it was like the late stage tech week when we were essentially done, but we just wanted to make sure we were really polished. That was probably the most fun for me, although there weren't really any parts that I didn't like. So you write this play, you turn it over to Jason Maddie, but then you also star in your own play. I guess there's no real question here other than if you could just talk about that kind of changing relationship with the play of hey i wrote the script now i'm handing it over to somebody else and now i'm starring in my own play i guess just talk a little bit and walk me through that experience and what that was like for you it, it, it's a very hard feeling to describe i guess I, i'd say a good word for it at least towards the end of it was a bit surreal seeing because I, I obviously put a lot of work into it when i was writing it and jason maddie uh I mean, they didn't have to. They consulted me for a lot of the things that they were thinking of doing, which was really nice of them to do because they just did not have to. So I was still, like, obviously I had a lot of investment in it in several aspects, and Jace was kind enough to keep me in the loop for the decisions he was making in terms of directing choices. Um, but I think, I remember this, uh, the specific moment was during the, the Thursday flex time preview with the student body. Because the thing about the student body, it's a bit of a double-edged sword. They're much more vocal than typical groups that we'll get on show night, which can be good if we're doing good. 
but also if they're not enjoying it, it's not the best feeling. Uh, I remember though, it was scene 10, which is the end of act one, which is like the, which is when I have my big monologue. And I remember uh, when uh, Lincoln and Katie, who Ellen and Slade, were talking over the phone and they're like, uh, I'm thinking his name was William Thon, but it was a fake name. Then Katie goes, did you say William Thon? And I swing the door open in the living room. They went insane. Like the, 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 um, the, the students, they were going crazy. And I remember it, it started making me smile a lot, which probably made it worse for them because now I'm like enjoying myself and it looks even creepier. But that I think was the most surreal moment of like just opening that and getting that reaction to something I'd put a lot of time into and a lot of investment into and seeing it pay off really well for the group of people that would not like this is more of a blanket but who would probably care about it the least because they aren't going out of their way to show up to it on show nights they're just kind of there because they more have to be but still seeing that like doesn't mean they didn't care but like seeing the group that I guess doesn't have the most reason to care going that wild over it was a really cool feeling. And then what was also cool when I went in and like slammed the phone down and started my monologue, it all got really quiet and I kept going, which was also a, which was also a really cool feeling to have. But I don't know how to describe it other than it felt very surreal, but like it, it, there's a, I guess there was a lot of, a, a lot of pride in, that I had for it because it's like, this is, that was when I, cause obviously I thought it was good and everyone was telling me it was good on, on the, the cast and the directors and, and top, but like the, the, the thing is like, if these, if the students didn't like it, they wouldn't have been telling me it was good. And not, not to say that like everyone was lying to me, but like they had less of a reason to, cause they weren't invested in it. But I had a lot of people who I didn't even realize like paid attention who were coming up to me and be like, you did a great job writing that. It was, it was so, so good that that felt like it was a really great feeling to have that I I don't think it's really been matched by much else. It was just, it, it's, it felt very, I guess, I guess good, but the, it's, it's hard to put into words how that felt. That's so cool. And yeah, I just, I really appreciate you sharing that perspective of, you know, those moments, those specific moments where you could really see the genuine reaction from your classmates that were watching. I guess I want to touch a little bit upon Jason, Maddie, and as, you know, the, the director and the assistant director, in what ways did they enhance the show? Well, what was good is because I talked with Jason like somewhat about the script, but not a huge amount. He seemed to understand a lot of what I was going for in terms of when I wrote it. So I was very confident that like when I handed it over to him that he would respect it, which he did in a way I wasn't expecting by like keeping me on in the loop for a lot of stuff, which I was very grateful for. Um, a lot of the decisions he made, because he has much more experience with acting and blocking things on the stage than I do. Biggest changes he made were in the movements of characters, at least when it comes to like what was in the script. The biggest changes he made were in movement. Um, because he, he left a lot of the dialogue and how the characters would act like, like, uh, not, I don't want to say alone, but like, it was how I envisioned it, which was really cool to see that we had this, like a shared view for that. Um, but I'd say when he was, especially when we were blocking, I think it really enhanced what we were doing. I remember when we were initially blocking, uh, my scenes with Katie, 
Uh, we got we we finished it fairly quickly, which I was surprised about. But then we but Jace was like, okay, do you guys want to just do the monologue part for scene ten? And we were like, well, we we don't have anything else to do right now, so why not? And because we were working in the choir room at the time, there wasn't a huge space. But he was like, he he said to me, he's like, I want you to be when we're actually there. I want you to be in front of her. I want you to be don't don't like be static, but don't be moving too much. But what he suggested, which I thought was really cool, was fix things if that makes sense like if something was like slightly out of line fix it to give like more of a sense of like everything has to go exactly how i imagined it which i thought was a really cool detail i wouldn't have thought of stuff like that where it's like adjusting little things like that 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 also adds so much more both for the the viewer's perspective and for the character itself and that's the one i remember the most because it was the one that I thought was I noticed first and I thought was really cool, but he did a lot of other stuff like that, where it was in movements and deliveries and stuff like that, where it just added so much more for like small details, which was very very impressive that he was he knew how to add that details without without making it a huge thing. I think that was one of the the I think the coolest things. They added a very large amount to. A lot of what you saw on stage in terms of movement, that was all them. And I think a lot of how how the movement worked added so much more to what I was going for that he captured very well. Having some time to reflect on all that went into this production, right? Between you starting the process, the breaks in between working out, the watching Inglorious Bastards to kind of get the writing process flowing... Reflecting on all of that, you performing in the play, what are you most proud of? I'd say it's the writing itself because obviously, like, like the whole, I'm obviously proud of the, the play. But once we got to the acting phase, I'm not as proud of myself as I am as all of us because it wasn't just me anymore. It was the whole cast. But the writing aspect was, I mean, in terms of like, com- like people commenting and saying, "Hey, this doesn't make sense." That was other people. But in terms of all the writing, that was all just me. I'm very proud. I think I did a, I, I like, I don't want to, this sounds a bit, you know, self-centered, but I think I did a pretty good job, especially for like a first time script writer. And I was really happy, especially with a lot of how much, like I wrote the dialogue, it felt to me at least like it flowed very naturally, which I was really happy about. That's probably the most, because dialogue can be really difficult. I had difficulty with it a lot at times because you want to get certain things out of it, but it has to make sense and sound natural or else it just doesn't sound like people uh, and obviously my biggest inspiration for the dialogue was Tarantino who was just the master of it so I'm really happy I think that in terms of like what I wrote that the most was like I was the most proud of because I felt that at least for my first time writing a script and writing dialogue I thought I did a pretty good job with how it flowed for the most part and I was pretty happy with how I was able to accomplish that I think, I think that's probably what I'm most proud of in terms of the script itself. In your own words, and this is for folks who may have not had the opportunity to watch your play titled Original Sin, so just for those folks, in your own words, what is Original Sin all about? Uh, yeah, so it's, I, th- I like describing, it's essentially The Shining, but on a smaller scale, because I, I took a lot of inspiration from The Shining, so basically there's a true crime writer, he and his family moved to a new place, to for him to work on his new story turns out this place he didn't know is the remnants of like an old plantation 
and the master of the plantation committed very vile acts and was killed for it. So now he still lingers on his property, and he continue he influences uh, the true crime writer to eventually attempt to uh, recreate those same acts through it. So that, that I'd say that's what like this, the, the the summary for it would be. Fantastic elevator pitch, and for those who haven't seen it, you definitely should. This is a non-script writing, acting question. How are you able to balance all that you do between football, mock trial, and this? That seems very challenging, and you do it seemingly so easily. So how? During football season, it wasn't a huge issue because the the student-run production is always in the winter. Uh, during the fall, there's either the musical or the play, which I was not a part of, and that goes until, like, November-ish. So by the time football season is towards its end, the winter play is starting. And when the winter play is starting, you're not there for every practice because it's not every scene and every practice. It's like, okay, this time we'll work on specific things, and then we'll work on specific things here towards the initial part. So when football season ended, uh, neither mock trial or the play really picked up in terms of intensity for another little while. It was only just like every now, which the coaches for football were very accommodating. Every, every time I had a practice at six, because it was, it was here, I would leave practice at around maybe like 15 minutes early to come in to shower, to get changed and go over. Um, I would do the same thing for mock trial. Um, although mock trial also didn't didn't start until November either, so during football season neither were really a huge issue, which I'm grateful for, since it made things a lot less complicated. The the coach both the coaches for well the coaches for mock trial the coaches for football and Jason Maddie were all really accommodating with my schedule, which I'm very grateful for. It made it a lot easier to work with. So I, I think I got really lucky with that. What were you most nervous for? The state championship football game, mock trial, or starring in your own play? That's a good question. Uh, I don't think it was the state championship okay. because when we went uh, when we went there, I was more just excited. It wasn't as much nervous as it was because I I thought I'd been doing pretty well during the season, so it was kind of like me just being like I would say I was more nervous than usual for that game, but it was kind of like. All right, we're just going through the movement. The same thing I've been doing. I just got to do it now. And I did the same thing. I did a, I like to think I did it well. So um, the play, I wasn't as... I was a bit nervous on the Thursday preview to see how it would go. Although after the Thursday preview, when it went really well, and then it went re- like it went great on the Friday showing. Well, not, not as great just because of some technical issues on Saturday, but it still wasn't bad. Um, I wasn't as nervous for that. I think it was 100% mock trial, the most nervous, uh, because that also came with the most stress, especially that, like, the last two weeks before mock trial were very stressful because of all the the work I had to put in for mock trial and all that, and I remember going to mock trial, having to go up and being very nervous, and the thing, when I get nervous, my, like, my hands and legs will shake, but my voice will stay steady, which I'm very grateful for. So what I would do when I... Because I, I have my cross-exam first, and then my direct, and then my closing. So during my cross-exam, I would, like, go behind, like, the podium in the courtroom, and i just grip the sides of it so they couldn't see my handshake. 
because it was the, it was the opposing witness that I now had to deal with. So that went well for me. I was also lucky enough. I didn't get any witnesses that were like extremely difficult to deal with. They were all pretty nice, which was nice. Um, but by the time I reached my closing argument, which I think was the best part of my performance, um, I was confident enough that I didn't really worry about that anymore. But I, I remember because we made it to the final round. And how it works, we're in the courthouse. We go through four rounds, and then we all come down to the, like the cafeteria area of the courtroom. Oh, excuse me. And they announce the two teams that make it to the finals. And I remember being there. And they announce our team name, and I'm like, oh, hey, we made it, that's great. Um, and then we send, like, that, that's, or I was excited, and then we send someone up to decide which side will go, and it's like a coin flip. And I remember sending, we sent Izzy up, because she was just the closest, and the other team sent their person up, and they won the coin toss, and they picked the plaintiff side, and I was on the defense side, which meant I was going. And I remember just being incredibly nervous for that. Because the thing about the previous competitions or the previous trials is that only the people in the courtroom are the ones watching you. In the final round, they have screens set up around the courthouse that people can watch you from. So now the entire competition is watching me. And I was, I remember thinking of that and just being like, oh God, I have to do this now. But um, it went it went very well. I mean, we, we took second, but I, we all did... I think our team, we all did fantastic in that final round. I was especially happy because one of our lawyers, Mason Monteo, uh, he was a freshman. Two of our witnesses, uh, Pablo Charias and Lucy Saracola, they weren't freshmen. They were, they were first-time mock trial members. So our side of the trial was, I mean, both sides were, but we had about half of us were relatively inexperienced. And I remember um, we went up, and I remember because Mason, his cross-exam was the first one. I remember I was talking about Tess Wolf, who was fantastic at my trial, and Mason, Mon Mason got an objection to one of the questions he asked, and Tess is leaning over to like, and we're talking about like what the answer would be, and as we're talking about, Mason does not skip a beat, looks the judge directly in the eye and goes, Your Honor, this is not whatever the thing, because of this specific, this rule, he cited the rule, and we were so happy for him. <laughs> he, he did, like, you could not tell that he was a freshman, and it was really great because... And every round he was in, he just consistently got more, he got more confident, he got better at handling that stuff. And, and that, that was great to see. And then like, as, it, as the final, because I think the final round was, thank God it was, it was the, our, our best performance, I think. So as it was going, I was getting more and more confident in us. So by the time I reached the, my closing argument, which is when I'm like on my own talking to the jury, um, I was, I was kind of like in the zone a bit. I really, I, uh, so, like, we were doing so well. So by the end of it, I was, like, I think maybe the most confident out of all of them. But initially, I was definitely the most nervous. What a cool story about about both you and Mason there and, and the entire uh, mock trial squad. My last question before we hit the rapid-fire questions. Is this something that, and you will attend Carnegie Mellon next fall, is this something, the script writing, playwriting, is this something that you want to continue to do? 100%. I, I already am, quite honestly. Um, I'm working on a new one that I, I had the idea for. I want to continue that in college. I don't think I'm going to be doing acting anymore, uh, just because that's not really, I like writing. I want to 
get more into the directorial and production side of it instead of the acting part. Uh, so I'm going to, because Carnegie Mellon also, like, luckily enough, has a very strong performing arts side of it. So I'm sure there's going to be plenty of opportunities that I will have, not just to write more and have and have more of my, my scripts performed, but also to, like, get really good hands-on directorial and production experience that I'm, I'm really looking forward to that, among other things, of course. But I do intend to continue, and... Uh, because I really enjoyed it. If not, like I'm like I don't know if I can make a career of it. I don't know how much I want to try, but at least for fun, because I did thoroughly enjoy pretty much all of putting putting the play on and writing it. So I do want to continue that at least somewhat. Transitioning here a bit to our Mad Minute segment, just a couple of rapid fire questions between us. What is your favorite spot on the Wilmington Friends School campus? I think it might be the college guidance room, the because of how comfortable the couches are and how quiet it can be at times. Favorite TV show? Breaking Bad. Favorite movie? That's a good question. Uh, hmm. I don't know. Uh, it it changes a lot because there's a, there's so many good ones. I think right now it's probably everything, ever all at once. The one that won Best Picture and pretty much everything else at the Oscars. That was a fantastic movie. Um, I'm also a huge fan of Pulp Fiction. Uh, this isn't really a movie that's been cheating, but the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, fantastic films, original Star Wars trilogy, Shawshank Redemption, there's, there's so many good ones that I, I'm, I'm listing off here. There, there's a lot. I, I don't know for, for sure what my favorite movie is the same way I do my favorite TV show, but like it'll definitely change on when, depending on when you ask me. Favorite actor or actress? Actor... Um, I think it's probably Christian Bale. Uh, I think he's fantastic in, in everything I've seen of him. Uh, so he's in some of my favorite movies as well. Uh, American Psycho, he's great in that. The Dark Knight, he's great in that. Uh, the Prestige, he's great in that. Everything I've seen in him, he's been consistently great. So I'd say it's probably him. My last question for you here today, and I'm going to ask you to reflect one more time as you are approaching graduation who has been the most influential Wilmington Friends School teacher here on your journey? There's probably a few people that I'm thinking in my head right now. I think maybe the most would probably be Mr. Morton uh, because he was, until this year, he was my, my line coach for football as well. And then he, uh, he was my American history teacher. But he's been, like, for football, he's been very influential because he was my coach. Uh, for... For school, he was also very influential. We, we like even on the set, like when I was under concussion protocol one time, we were on the sideline of Brisbane just having conversations about stuff in history. Um, so I think he might be. If he's not number one, he's definitely up there. Um, I don't know who else. I'm like in terms of, there, there's probably some I have to think a bit more on, but he, he's just the one that comes to my head first. <laughs> 